And I am so blessed to be here with you guys. If you do not know me, my name is Catherine, and I serve as a youth pastor here at MPI. And I am blessed to be able to bring you guys some good news today. We have been going through the series of the Gospels, right? So we went through Matthew, Mark, and what is next? Luke. Amen. So today I'm going to be going through Luke. As we go through the Gospel of Luke, I really want you guys to take in what we're saying, what we're going through. And if you have questions, we can go through them at the end. Um, and then if I ask you questions, go ahead and answer them. Shout it out, answer them. Let's do this thing, okay? Everybody's ready? All right, so what we know so far is it's called the Gospel of Luke. So who do you guys think wrote it? Luke. Yes, good job. See, we're already, we're already working together. So the Gospel of Luke was written by Luke, and Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. Isn't that pretty interesting? Who knew that? Who knew that? Yeah, so just a couple. So that's some good news to know. That's a good thing to know. So Luke was a physician, and he was a close companion to Paul as well. He's recognized also as the author of the book of Acts. So before we even get into Luke, you know who Luke was. He was a friend of Paul. He's recognized. He also wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote this gospel, and he wrote it for a dear friend of his, and we're going to get into that as well. So the gospel was written for the purpose of revealing the Lord Jesus Christ and all he began to do when he was down here on earth, right? <clears throat> So we know that the Gospels are what? What do they hold? The life and teachings of Jesus. So the Gospel of Luke follows that same guide. While he's writing the Gospel, he writes it to his dear friend, Theophilus. Theophilus? Yes, that's what we're going to go with. That is his name. So his friend had a funny, funny name. And it was very funny to say when I was trying to figure it out at first, right? So he wrote it to his friend. How many of you guys have written your friend a letter? You've never written letters. So it was just me in school writing letters to my friends and, like, putting them in tiny little folds and, like, tossing them across the room. Yeah, so we write letters to our friends. They were no different back then. Just like Paul wrote letters to churches and things like that, right? He, we know he wrote the letter to Ephesians, Corinthians, and the like. And so Luke wrote this letter. He wrote the gospel. He wrote it for his dear friend Theophilus. And throughout... His gospel, he wrote a lot of different things. He made a lot of different points. And he got all the information from direct eyewitness. So do you know what an eyewitness is? Who knows? Go ahead and tell me. Go ahead. Exactly. Someone that actually saw it. So Luke was able to go to people there then at that moment and say, hey, did you see Jesus? Yeah, man, I saw him. Jesus said, get that mat up and get up and get going. And the man got up and got going. That is a privilege that we don't get to have today, right? We don't get to just go up and say, man, you're, did, did you get to meet Jesus? Yeah, I knew Jesus. I just saw him walking by there. He just set those people free. He just fed them. He just did this. We don't get to do that, but we get to see different miracles in our lives. We get to see different uh, miracles in our city. We get to see God move in different ways. So Luke was like, let me go ahead and write this letter to my friend. And before I write the letter, I need to do the research. I need to get my facts straight. So he went to the people that were there. He went to the people that were able to see exactly what happened, and he began writing down what they were saying. He began writing down the accounts that they gave him. He did the research. He took charts of Jesus' lineage. He went all the way back to Adam, and he gave all the nitty-gritty details. How many of you guys like details? 
Like if your friend's telling you a story and they're like, oh my goodness, let me go tell you. You want all the details. I want to know what they were wearing. I want to know were they laughing. They were serious. No way. Like you want all the details, right? Luke was like that. He was a doctor. He's like, let me go ahead and tell them every single detail. And it was Jesus who came from this person and that guy came from that guy and that guy was that guy and that guy's cousin was this. And he gives us every detail. And it can be a lot when you're reading it. It can be a lot when you're reading and you're like, wait, why is this important? So what do we do? We look at the bigger picture. He says all of that to say what? What is Luke trying to tell us? What point does he want us to understand? What point is he trying to get across? You guys are supposed to say amen when I drink water. Remember that? All right, all right. So he says a whole lot, and he says that to say what? What is he trying to say? We're going to get to it. We're going to get to the bigger picture or one of the biggest pictures that he was trying to get, right? He wanted to tell his friend, Jesus came down. He was born. He was born by this person. He was born in this way. He did it that way, and he did this, and then he grew up, and he got big, right? Why? Why was he trying to share that with us? What was he trying to get across to his friends? And he does this because he meant to gift believers, right? He wanted not only his friend, but this was carry on, right? This is the gospel that we read today. So he wanted to give us the chronological understanding of Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. Luke investigated the events of Jesus' life with eyewitness, and he gave him an exact record. And the record begins with Jesus' birth. And we see that, and you don't have to put it up, but it'll be in Luke 2, 4 through 7. We see uh, Jesus' birth right here. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He said all that to say he went down to Bethlehem. But he makes it a point to give you exactly what he did, how he did it, why he got there, why he went there to begin with. What was he doing? So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And where was Jesus born? We should know that because we have it on Christmas and a lot of people do the little... He was born in a manger, right? He wasn't born in a fancy hospital. He wasn't born in like in this little carriage and then they just put him there and it was, no, there was no room for him in the inn. He was born in a manger. And he makes it a point to tell us that. He makes it a point to say, because there was no room for him in the inn, there was no room for his mom. There was no room for the king of kings in that inn. Luke continues on by then sharing with us in Luke 316, John answered them all. What are we about to say? I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there's something now that's about to shift and happen real quick. And Jesus is getting ready to do that ministry to now get started with his ministry. He was a child. He was a toddler. He went through all that. He's telling us God is about to start. We're about to see the shift in the world. And what's going to happen after he starts his ministry? His death is coming surely after that, right? But we know that Jesus didn't remain death. He didn't remain. He didn't go from the womb to the tomb and then just stayed there. There's more that followed, right? He resurrected. And he's coming right back. <laughs> 
Luke 4, 18 and 19, then continue on. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover uh, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he is telling them, you hearing this right now, this is the fulfillment. You hearing this right now, there are chains that are going to be broken. There are people that are oppressed that are going to be released. There's going to be a shift in this. He gives them the guide of like, listen, guys, and we'll see it just a little bit. He tells his 12 disciples just right after that, Luke 18, he gives them a heads up of what's about to happen. He says, hey, guys, we're going up to, he doesn't say just hey, guys, but you know, this is how, this is how I feel like Jesus is like, hey, guys, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the son of man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Can you imagine being at that place, knowing exactly what is going to happen to you, but you still continue to make those choices? It's harder to think about that when we think about it being a crucifixion, right? Like Jesus knew, and he still did that. He knew everything that was going to happen. He knew that when he sat with those 12 disciples, they would betray him. He knew it, and he still did that, and he still kept talking to them, and he still died on the cross for them. How many of us know the right thing to do, but we still don't choose to do right? We still choose to do whatever we want. We still choose to walk and live in sin. It is no different we may not be crucified like Jesus was, but we will have to go either to heaven or to hell for those choices. It's not much different when you think about it that way. As we go on, Luke goes in chapter 23, verses 33 through 34. He begins to go into Jesus' crucifixion. If you're going to put it up, it's fine. Okay. When they came to the place called the skull, they were... That's where they what? Crucified him, right? Along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, who knows what Jesus said while he was crucified right there at that moment. And he said it for each and every one of us. And even while he was hanging there, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. At that moment, being crucified, hanging there, looking at those people that did that to him, that put him right on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They just don't know. They just don't know. That is still relevant for today. There's people out there in the world that just don't know. They just don't know that there's a God that died for them. They just don't know that there's more for them. You guys sometimes just don't know that there's a whole world out there for you, a world of goodness, of godliness, that there's a world waiting to hear what you have to say, to hear your testimony, that needs the good news of Jesus, that needs to know that there's more than what this world has to offer. Luke goes on to say in uh, Luke 24, verses 1 to 3, he goes on about the resurrection. 
And he brings it up in such a perfect way as we've gone through his birth, we've gone through the beginning of the ministry, we've gone through him, his crucifixion, and now the resurrection that followed. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They had their spices. They got ready. They said, all right, let's go. You girls are ready. And they were all like, yeah, we're ready. And they went, and then they found what? They found an empty tomb. They found that Jesus wasn't there anymore. His body was not there anymore. And this is really important to understand because back then, Women weren't valued, okay? They didn't have a place in society. They were the low of the lowest. They didn't matter. They didn't have a say. They didn't have a choice. They had to do what they were told, and that's it. So for him to specifically bring up women, they probably laughed at him like, oh, okay, oh, a woman told you so. But that's exactly what happened. See, God doesn't just use, you know, adults. He doesn't just use men that, you know, are older and just mature and know the Bible and have degrees and have all this experience. He doesn't just use adult women that, you know, have gone through Bible college and are now 40, 50, 60. Like, he doesn't have those restrictions. Jesus used those women. Jesus used the lowest of the lowest. Jesus doesn't have a specific group of people that he uses. He could use you guys today. He could transform your life today. That's all it takes. Luke writes, he, he writes in details for a purpose to show through the eyewitness accounts. So we know that he saw them. He went up to them and they saw it happen And they told him exactly what happened. And he did that so that they could not refute it. And he put himself out there in a place where they're like, oh, okay, like a girl told you so. And he did it because it was true. He did it because that is who saw it. Because God will use all of you guys. Because God doesn't keep you back because you are a child. He doesn't hold you back because you're just a teenager. But he will use that. He will use you regardless of the age if you are willing, if you give yourself to him, if you have faith. If we go a little bit back to Luke uh, chapter 17, and we're going to focus on verses 5 to 6 as we prepare for breakouts, which is how we're going to end tonight. So while they bring it up, because this is really important, we're going to end tonight with breakouts before we get into a peak sign and all that fun stuff. And I'm going to have all my girls come here and all the guys come here, and we're going to talk about faith. Luke 17, 5 through 6 says, the apostles said to the Lord, what did they say to the Lord? Increase our faith. They say, just, just give me more faith. Give me more faith, Jesus. And what does he say? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey. So they're asking for more faith and God is telling them, if you just have a mustard seed of faith, which is like the equivalent of just a dot, maybe like a little bigger than a dot, just if you just have that much faith, you can just tell it to get up and move and it will do that. So how much faith do you need? A mustard seed. You don't need a mountain size of faith to see mountains in your life move. You need a mustard seed of faith, and you will see those mountains in your life move. 
He shows us that faith is the response that we should have. Faith is the right and pleasing response to God's promises. God gives us promises, and there's a general promise, and there's specific promises that he has given you, that he has for each and every one of us. A general promise is a promise for all. A specific promise is a, a promise for you. What has God specifically promised you in your life? And if you feel that he hasn't promised anything in your life, then I'm telling you that that's not true, that there's something that you have prayed for, there's something that you have wanted and you have seen come to pass, or you will see come to pass, as you have what? Faith. All you have to have is that mustard seed of faith. Luke shows us that that is all you need. Luke gives us every single detail. He gives the lineage, he gives the details, the accounts, and while Jesus, Mary was pregnant, and this person was pregnant, and they knew this and they knew that, but do we need all those little details? Should we need to know every single detail to know that God died for us on the cross? See, sometimes we could get so caught up in all the little details and all the little, I want to know this and I want to know that. And I want to know if Noah took two roaches into the ark with him. And I want to know if he had two little bed buds. And I want to know why there's no more dinosaurs. And I want to know how he fit the dinosaur. In the, and I want to know this and that and that and that. And we get so caught up in the little details that you forget to just have faith. To just believe God so that you can see those things in your life. As you guys, please prepare the song for breakouts, which should be up there. I want you guys to consider that. How many times have you gotten caught up in just knowing the details? You've gotten caught up in going by your daily life and just talking to your friends and just catching up and just doing school and then going back home and then you got to do chores and then you got to listen to your parents and then you got to do this and then you got to that. That you forgot to just be with Jesus that you forgot to just believe him when you don't see a way. To just believe him when your friends don't think it's cool. To just walk towards him when you want to walk out somewhere else. To just go to him when you want to call up a friend instead. To just say, man, my family doesn't really care about Jesus. Man, my friends, you know, like I can't really tell them. I can't tell them that I want to know more about Jesus. All you need is a mustard seed. All you need is the size of a mustard seed to see the mountains in your life move. That is how Jesus works. There is no trick. You don't need to work harder. You don't need to do anything. You just need to say, God, here I am. You just need to say, I don't know all the details. I don't know all the stories. I know where I can find them. Where can you find them? In the Bible. If you want specific details, you can go to the Gospel of Luke. He gives you a chronological order, a complete breakdown. You can know every detail that you want. But in the end, if you read it and you go through it and you don't have faith, just the size of a mustard seed, if you don't have that faith, it will be for nothing. So I want to encourage all of you guys as you get up and go ahead, girls over here and boys over here, to take that time and think about what promises you want to see, girls, my girls, and then my boys. Yeah, go ahead. To take that time to think about what you want to see in your life. What do you want to see God do in your life? Do you believe in heaven and hell? Do you have faith that there's more for you than what you're experiencing right now? Do you have faith that he will do something in your family? Do you have faith that he will do something in your life? If you don't have faith and you don't understand, then let's talk about it now. Let me point you to the one that can live, uh, give you the freedom that you need. Let me point you to the one that died on the cross for you, the one that is coming back, the one that desires to be in your life. 
We're going to go ahead and open up breakouts right now. If you have a promise that God has given you, this is a time to pray for it. If you don't have faith, this is the time to walk in that faith. This is the time to say, God, here I am. I don't have faith. I don't understand it. I don't know every detail. Maybe I've never been to church. Maybe I've never actually opened up my Bible. But here I am, God. I want to know you. I don't want to, and I don't got to know every detail. I want to know you. I got to know you. I want to grow in faith. If you could put the music just a little bit higher, and then we'll go ahead and get started. And after this, we're going to take some time where you guys could pray out and enjoy everything else. So we'll go ahead and give you guys about 10 more minutes to just uh, begin talking and bring in the breakout.